Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, this is Note to Self, and I'm your host, Peyton Sarton. From Q&As and breakup tips to simply navigating every stage of life, Note to Self is a space to get messy, explore new perspectives, and ultimately empower yourself and others. Grab some wine or a mocktail, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, guys, welcome back to Note to Self. I'm Peyton Sarton, your host, and I am sitting here with my friend, Maggie Sellers, who I met through TikTok, Mm -hmm. and now we're in real life friends. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to bring Maggie on because what you do is so interesting to me, but I genuinely, like, if you were to be like, Peyton, give us an synopsis of what Maggie does, I'd be like, my brain is blank. I actually have no idea. (laughs) So I needed someone like you to come on and talk about this, especially with this topic when it comes to women and how women are getting involved. So please tell the audience about yourself, mm-hmm. what you do, and then we'll get we'll get started. Yeah, I love answering this question, but it's hard because it's hard to define what I do. It mm-hmm. touches three things. It touches culture, capital, and community. Mm-hmm. So I actually am a former startup operator that turned me into being an angel investor. And then that evolved me to being a syndicate lead, which we'll get into later. Okay. I started posting on TikTok for fun. I just wanted to spread everything that I had learned over the last 10 years of my career, turned into a content creator, and now really get excited to help start if I'm not an investor, build community at a very early stage. So mm-hmm. I touch all three. I love equally, like all of them equally. And yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So like I, I creep your Insta or your TikTok sometimes and I'll go on there. There's a couple people I'll get on TikTok to be like, hey, what are they doing? One of them is this girl, Alex Educated Mess. I don't know if you follow her. No. She's a cosmetic chemist. Okay. I talked about her last week, I think. But I'll go and like binge all of her stuff because it's like, OK, here's the new retinol thing from this brand at Sephora but because she's a cosmetic chemist she'll break down all the compounds and be like yes this is a good product but actually this product is probably better and it's like $30 cheaper or something like that so like I bench her stuff I bench your stuff like it's stuff that I don't know but sometimes when I'm going through your TikTok I'm like half of the words that you're saying I'm like yeah for sure for sure for sure I know what you're talking about well that's the hardest thing to be honest because when you're trying to explain something that I learned, like just through being in the right places at the right times, Mm -hmm. I felt like such an idiot four years ago when I was in these rooms with these people saying all of these cute, like shortened down sentences and these Mm -hmm. 
very common sayings in venture capital that I was looking at them being like, what are they saying? Yeah. And so I sometimes struggle with that balance of explaining the basics of what angel investing is and being an equity owner and Mm -hmm. even taking things beyond, you know, the founder story of how a company was started. Like, how do you raise money for a company? And what does that mean as it relates to your valuation? Mm -hmm. It gets really complicated. And so it's really hard to struggle with the balance of the people that have been following me for now, like a year, Mm -hmm. they want to graduate to like module number two. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still at that layer of wanting to reach as many women as possible that are so new to this, don't understand, want to understand the basics so mm-hmm. that they can at least have a conversation at a bar, whether it's with their friends or a boss or a boy that they like and feel like they can contribute to the conversation when mm-hmm. I've been that girl at the bar four years ago that was like, I feel so dumb. I don't know what's going on and yeah. I want to contribute, but I don't want to raise my hand and ask. So that's how I am right now. Like, <laughs> I am dumb you at the bar, which I'm happy to be because that just means I have a lot to learn. Yeah. And it's it's something I'm very interested in. So can you explain to us yeah. how you got started in this and kind of explain things like we are five? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think like we've heard so much about the founder story. And so we've heard a lot about the entrepreneurial journey. What Mm -hmm. we haven't heard about is like, okay, you have this idea. How are you bringing it to market? That usually costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so typically what founders do when they either can't reach growth on their own or they're looking to even start their business or their ideas, they have to go and find money Mm -hmm. to actually bring that idea to the market. And so typically you go first and foremost to your friends and your family and you're like, hey, I want to give you know, you 1% of my company, but in exchange, I need $100,000 or $10,000, whatever it ends up being for your valuation. And so you essentially to take money now are giving away a piece of ownership of your business to actually go fund your idea. Mm -hmm. So yes, we all know the Emily Weiss story of building Glossier, but there were a lot of people behind her that were capital investors that helped Mm -hmm. her bring her idea to life to the market. And so what I do is at the very earliest stage of businesses, there's a an entire ecosystem called private equity mm-hmm. and venture capital is typically the earliest stage of businesses and financing. Okay. And then at the earliest stage of venture capital, there's angel investing. Mm-hmm. And that's typically what we've seen in the news of celebrities getting involved, backing brands, mm-hmm. you know, former founders being an investor in brands, content creators. And what I'm trying to do is really break down what it is so that the everyday person mm-hmm. that's an accredited investor feels like instead of buying a $10,000 Chanel bag this year or Hermes bag, I'm going to save that and put that towards two $5,000 investments. And you don't need to have $5 million in your checkings account to be an angel investor and to Mm -hmm. make an impact, especially when you're somebody like you who's strategic. Mm -hmm. You can provide distribution advantages. You can provide social media support. You can help them come up with campaigns of who to be gifting. Mm -hmm. So you don't offer just capital, a check. You offer value to a founder that doesn't want to have to go out it alone. Does that make sense? That makes sense. It's giving me like Shark Tank when they're like, okay, what can I provide this company? You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And And we all watch Shark Tank. That's a good that's a good one to like point to. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) And so I think the difference with Shark Tank is that those are you know, one person that are Mm -hmm. putting in 250 themselves, which is what people have thought angel investors do. Mm -hmm. And so it's been left to the super high net worth individuals, the celebrities, the former founders that have a big exit. Mm -hmm. And there is a way to get involved in startups when you don't have those things, but you are, you know, an accredited investor and you just want to put $5,000 in a year. There's a spot for you to get involved. That's awesome. And I like that how you put it 
instead of buying a Chanel bag or something, you're going to go and invest because that's something I'm kind of at the crossroads at right now. I do typical investments. Like I have someone who manages my money for me just because I'm like, again, I'm the person that's like, you seem to know what you're doing. So like, take this and you do that. And I trust you completely. And like, I'm in communication with him all the time, but I kind of just like to like throw it away. But right now, as more money comes into my life, I'm like, well, shit, I should probably like figure out different things to do with this for sure. other than just traditional stocks, bonds, things like that. And I think the coolest part about angel investing for me is it's things that you're so passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, you know, if you're interested in a specific area with consumer and I should clarify, I'm a consumer uh, brand investor. Normally I do some consumer tech. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of different types of angel investors of VCs. There's enterprise SaaS, there's B2B, but I focus on brands. So like okay. Doe, Eat Doe, which is in the lobby yeah. of Dear Media. I'm an investor in that brand. Okay. I have celiac disease. I've had issues eating my whole life. I'm super passionate about finding clean alternatives to our favorite snacks growing up mm-hmm. that are better for you, better for the planet, and actually are a brand in a community that like I want to surround myself with. Yes. And so for me, it's not just about giving the founder who I would think is one of the most incredible founders I've ever met the money, but it's also like being a part of something, being a part of a mission. Mm -hmm. So for somebody like you, like you might be interested in, you know, this industry or non-alc or clean beauty or ocean free sunscreen Mm -hmm. or ocean free plastic sunscreen. Yeah then you can go and be a part of a community on a scale that's different than a consumer. You're a part of the ownership team to Mm -hmm. build the future of what you're passionate about. So let's rewind. You're graduating college. Mm -hmm. What did you go to school for, by the way? Business. Business. Yeah. Makes sense. That tracks. (laughs) Okay. So let's say you're graduating college Mm -hmm. up to the point where you are investing in companies like this that you really care about. What is that process? So like, what did your, what is your history like? look yeah. like here. So my history is going to be different, I think, for anybody listening. But what I want you to take away from it is think creatively because okay. nothing was ever handed to me on a platter. And I have a lot of chips on my shoulder. Like mm-hmm. I didn't go to a tier A venture fund straight out of school. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to an Ivy League school. Like I'm from Canada. I didn't have any connections when I moved to the U.S. And it's all about seeing one door close and then seeing another one open and taking advantage of that myself. So okay. My story is I went to business school. I didn't actually do that well at my finance classes, which is funny looking back as a Mm -hmm. lot of what I do now is looking at a financial model, but I ended up going into Salesforce. So I was in sales Mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the most critical things that you can do is learn how to sell yourself, whether you're an employee, whether you're a founder, whether you're an investor, you're, you're selling yourself on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I was honestly, a little bit bored after three years. So I wanted to go into the startup world. And I went to my first startup in Canada. It was a healthy fast food restaurant, very similar to Sweetgreen, global. We had 200 locations. We need more of those, by the way. I need so many more healthy fast food restaurants. Right? Like, especially in airports. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Something Um, to think about. (laughs) Yeah. Business idea for all those entrepreneurs (laughs) listening. And I was the marketing analytics manager, basically just studying data, ended up getting promoted and led special projects and reported to our CEO right before we went public. And it was the best learning opportunity mm-hmm. for me. I got to learn from at soon at one point, a publicly traded CEO. And then I was headhunted and I was the first employee at actually a US based brand, but that was launching in Canada for the first time. Okay. So I got to really go through like launching a new market and everything mm-hmm. that comes with that. And how uh, long at this point in your timeline are we in? Probably like five, six years? I think we're years? probably like five, six years in at this okay. point. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Hatch. 
Make space for rest in your life with Hatch Restore 2. Hatch Restore 2 is your new bedside sleep companion inspired by nature, backed by sleep science, and designed to take care of you from sunset to sunrise. So in the morning, tap into your circadian rhythm with a gradual sunrise alarm that wakes you gently. I have always been one to start my day with an obnoxious, loud, anxiety-inducing alarm, and I've recently checked in with myself to ask why, like literally why. Why am I starting my day in a panic attack? Maybe it's my addiction to stress. I don't know, but it needed to stop. Restore 2's gentle sunrise alarm has changed the game. The Restore 2 is also a game changer for before sleep practices. Establish a phone-free routine that helps you break your late-night scrolling habit, which I definitely have, and ease into sleep with a sunset paired with sleep stories, guided meditations, and more. I need to have something playing softly in the background while I fall asleep, so this is absolutely key for me. Restore 2 helps you carve out little moments for rest in your day so you can create simple, healthy sleep rituals that you'll look forward to. Sleep is so important for your overall health and creating a calm ritual that you enjoy before bed and waking up makes it feel extra luxe. My favorite Restore 2 feature is the wind down feature with the red light at night. Also, aesthetically speaking, the Restore 2 is really chic looking. So if you're interested in improving your sleep and establishing healthy morning and evening routines surrounding sleep, head to hatch.co and get free expedited shipping on your new Restore 2 so you start feeling well-rested ASAP. That's hatch.co and you'll get free expedited shipping on the Restore 2. Do it. We love it. Hey guys, I'm Kinsey from the I Love You So Much podcast. On my show, we talk about everything lifestyle, business, finance, beauty, you name it. My favorite part about the show is the amazing guests that we bring on. We have everyone ranging from like business experts to influencers, CEOs, creative masterminds. It's so much fun. If you guys want to find me on Instagram, it is just at Kinsey Elizabeth. I release new episodes every Thursday, so hope to see you there. So you're just growing from each job. You're learning more. Learning exactly. More, yeah. And I think that's also something that I I've never been somebody to follow the status quo. Mm-hmm. And I remember even when I was, you know, like two years after Freshie, I was thinking about going to my next role. My parents were like, are you sure you want to jump around? You know, like it's not a really good look on your resume. Mm-hmm. The classic thing. Yeah, yeah. Like their generation was at a bank for like 25 years mm-hmm. or 40 years. And that was the norm. Yes. And even my sister, who's two years older than me, she's a trained accountant. It was like three and a half years, like for sure at yeah. her at her accounting firm. So I was not like that. And mm-hmm. when I was bored, I felt like I wasn't learning. I was ready for a new challenge. I was I was out. Mm-hmm. And so I got this amazing opportunity to basically move to LA with this brand after a year in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why would I not do this? I never wanted to leave Canada, which is weird. Yeah. So when the opportunity came, I said, absolutely. It was here that I kind of became really interested in the world of celebrity investors. So mm-hmm. our startup had a lot of celebrity investors. Okay. And as somebody that was responsible for really being a front end operator of the marketing and the brand, I worked with them and I saw okay. how quickly we were able to acquire a customer or how efficient it was in terms of capital to acquire a customer. Yeah. 
And so I ended up meeting a, a person who managed some of the biggest celebrities in the world. And I went in and I really helped develop the corporate development structure as well as our equity transactions. Okay. So so break that down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so traditionally, you know, let's just use this water that's right here as mm-hmm. an example. This brand, in order to work with Tom Brady or with Giselle, maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't have used those back to back, <laughs> but either one of them, they would mm-hmm. pay cash for a celebrity to endorse this. Yes. And what we've seen happen over the last four to five years is this evolution of a cash partnership to an mm-hmm. equity partnership. Okay. So startups, the most probably popularized explanation of this is when Beyonce did a performance for Uber. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking, I believe, a million dollar cash payment, she got RSU, so a restricted stock unit, aka mm-hmm. equity. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that equity was either worth like four or six million dollars in the end. Okay. Because she knew the power of equity is mm-hmm. so much bigger than what you'll get today. Yes. And does that make sense? Yeah. So I've seen a couple different influencers do that on a smaller scale, obviously not Beyonce scale, but I've seen that and I've kind of talked to my manager about it recently and been like, what, first of all, what is the management stake in that? And I I feel like that's such an interesting way to get paid. And I've really had my eye on that for a while now. So honestly, I think like everything, and again, this is not financial advice, but I Mm -hmm. think especially in your, if, if I was giving you advice, everyone should have a diversified portfolio. So mm-hmm. if you feel like you're really well-versed in like your stocks and your bonds, and now it's time to think about investments, like similar to your brand deals, I'm sure, right? Yeah. It's like, you don't want to do all of them in equity, but you also probably don't want to do all of them in cash. So yeah. you want to have a diversified portfolio where to test it out. You're like, okay, let's say I do 10 brand deals a year. Mm-hmm. One or two of them, I'm going to take a risk and work with a startup and take equity in exchange and mm-hmm. see what happens. Yeah. Startups fail. That's reality. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to just be going at this and thinking like, I'm going to spend all my money on this because you do never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But it's a good way to do a lot of other things, expand your network, learn, Mm -hmm. meet new people, like understand a different skill set of how to work with early stage brands that Mm -hmm. beyond the monetary value of it, there's a lot of other qualitative benefits to being an investor that I feel like people don't talk about enough. It reminds me of when I first started being an influencer and I would take things like product, for example, or I would go out at first and obviously buy product myself Mm -hmm. and then create content around that product which was me learning how to create content, me learning, you know, how to work with a brand or even create content for a brand and then send it to them and be like, hey, I made this and hope that take the risk that they would hire me at some point, which they a lot of them didn't. So you spent the money, you didn't get it back, but you did learn something. Yeah, I feel like it just reminds me the, a new payment structure like this reminds me of exactly like when I first started, kind of. Exactly. You know? it's, that's exactly what it is. And it's like, so instead of getting, you know, cash investment from you, the startup is getting services, they're getting Mm -hmm. deliverables. And that's becoming a very common thing nowadays. But when I started doing this for some of the biggest celebrities in the world, this was not common. Yeah. And so as somebody that didn't come from a TRA venture fund, didn't have investment banking experience, I was trying to figure out, okay, our celebrity gets paid $12 million for a brand deal. Mm -hmm. And this is what he's responsible to do. If we were to work with a startup that obviously doesn't have even $12 million, like let alone for their budget, but for one person, what does that look like in terms of equity based on what the company is valued at today Mm -hmm. and what that would potentially look like based on the market and the industry? 
I had no clue yeah. when I first started. Yes. And that's when I was, you know, like looking around being like, okay, I'm responsible for brand partnerships and corporate development. I need to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And so I just started like calling friends from business school, like going online, trying to figure out resources, reading books, talking to my sister, who's a trained accountant, like literally just going to people outside of my network, mm -hmm. acting stupid. Well, not even acting stupid. I yeah. quite frankly didn't know what I was doing <laughs> yeah. and just asking a million questions. And now that I'm four years in, let's say, I'm like, I feel a responsibility, honestly, to share what I've learned because yeah. I luckily had the network to ask those questions to. And mm -hmm. that's obviously just being in a privileged position of that. But I want to be able to share what I've learned because it is so gatekept. It's very much like the art industry. It's like, if you know, you know. Yeah. But there needs to be more transparency because it is something that everybody should have access to that is an accredited investor. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about you're coming from this background working with celebrities at this mm -hmm. point. So you don't do that as much anymore. Or is that a lot of the bulk of your job now? So I would say I still do like one thing I, I was excited about that's kind of launching right now is mm -hmm. Sophia Richie's obviously getting married mm -hmm. and I helped bring her into Nude Sticks, which is one of my portfolio companies as mm -hmm. our nude beauty director. Okay. And so I do work with celebrities in the way where if it's a portfolio company of mine and I have all of these amazing relationships with celebrities, yeah. I will help represent the brand in their transaction of of an equity transaction with a celebrity okay. because it's also like a black box. Like nobody really knows on the brand side how to be structuring these deals, how yeah. much equity to be giving, what are they responsible for? Mm -hmm. And so I work with the founding team to really understand, okay, I know the brand. I'm an equity owner in this brand. I know what we care about, what we talk about, what our pillars, our values are, what celebrity could align with this. Mm -hmm. And then based on the network that I've built, I will try to make these relationships happen that are mutually beneficial. Okay. So I wouldn't say that's the bulk of what I do, but as an investor, the way that you can help a portfolio company with distribution and your social media and your relationships, I try to be as helpful as I can too. And that's mm -hmm. one of the ways in which I can help brands. Yeah. So you're bringing your network. Exactly. To this. And so when we're talking about building network, because you said you moved to the States, you didn't really know anybody. You didn't, you know, how did you go about building this network that you have? Yeah. I actually invited myself to a lot of parties, like okay. no joke. I would <laughs> go to an event alone myself a week. That was like, I had to push myself out of my comfort mm -hmm. zone. What type of event were you finding them? So I was a Soho House member in Toronto. Okay. So I would obviously LA Soho House. I would go to something like that. They have great events there. Great events there. Yeah. Air One. They, I don't know if people know this, but like they host events sometimes. Okay. So like I would go to Air One for like a walk meetup in Venice. Mm -hmm. I would look up for like beach cleanups by like makeup brands or beauty brands that were doing something in Malibu on a okay. Saturday. Like people are posting on their Instagrams as brands all the time. Summer mm -hmm. Fridays would have a launch event at La La Land. I saw a few like months ago or a year ago. That's the type of event that I would see on their social media and like mm -hmm. go to by myself. Okay. <laughs> and I would just walk up to anybody and mm -hmm. be like, hey, I'm Maggie. Like, what's up? Mm -hmm. And honestly, one thing led to another where I just started being authentically myself and telling people my vulnerability, like, I just moved here. I really don't know anybody. This is what I'm passionate about. You obviously are too. Like, we should do something outside of this. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of just snowballed from there. Yes. Which seems awkward now, but it's truly like, how else are you supposed to make friends when you're in your late 20s and you're moving to a new city and you don't know anybody? Well, I did that basically okay. myself when I was I was interning out here in college and I would go to events like Create and Cultivate or whatever it was, like anything I could find on like Eventbrite that was surrounding what I was doing. And I have a visceral memory of being like, because I'm pretty 
I'll talk obviously like this, but like I'm pretty shy. I'm not one to like go out of my way to be like yeah. the most friendly one of the group. Not that I mean, I just like I'm kind of chilling yeah. most of the time. So I would go to these things and I remember seeing this like one circle of women like all kind of sitting around talking. And I just like literally like poked my head in and I was like, hi, I'm alone. So like, what's up? And everyone was so nice. Like it mm-hmm. worked. It was fine. But it, it feels like so, so scary and so awkward. But it's never not paid off. Like I've never had people be like, Ew, like get away from us. You and know honestly, what I mean? If people did that, those probably aren't the people that you want in your life anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think, but you're braver than me. I don't think I've ever walked up to a group. It was I, a full <laughs> fucking group. Yeah. But I could tell that they were also kind of mismatched. Okay. Like they were like th- there to attend the event or whatever. So I just kind of like, you know, yeah. But I did and played the part. Well, you're so. obviously an emotional, intelligent person, emotionally intelligent so. person. <laughs> That's a big skill set that I think is undervalued in startups because. Mm-hmm. A lot of time people ask me, like, how do you know if you should invest in something, especially at an early stage? There isn't a lot of data. There Mm -hmm. isn't a lot of like I say I look at financial models now, but that's because I sometimes will look at later stage deals. When you're an early stage startup, like you have nothing. You have Mm -hmm. sometimes an idea, maybe some traction. But we look at the founder, or at least I do. Like Mm -hmm. I look at the founder, what their skill sets are. Like, are they emotionally intelligent? Are they going to be able to lead a team? Being a brand operator, I can look at all of the mistakes that I think I saw bosses make that I made. And so I try to look at the founder first and foremost and evaluate, like, is this somebody that I can envision running a 300 person team? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, like, they are not. And that's, I think, why a lot of people will pass on on businesses, not because the business isn't great. It's like they don't actually believe that the founder is the right person to do it. Okay, I've heard that a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot. So when we're talking all of this like back-end data, like very analytical specific things, how much does like, let's say your gut or your intuition play in, you know, in your decisions when you're making these decisions like this? Honestly, a lot. Okay. Especially at the earliest stage. But I wouldn't say it's even gut and instincts. It's more so gut and instincts based on consumer behavior. So I should actually preface when I went to business school, my major was consumer behavior. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't the finance person at all. I was like studying why people buy insights around shopping. Like, why is there cult brands? Like, how are they built? And I am just I think for my biggest piece of advice is if you want to be a good consumer investor, you need to be a good consumer. First and foremost, Mm -hmm. you have to enjoy going to the mall, going to the grocery store, going to watch people in public and see how they're interacting like consumer behavior is truly what pushes society forward. Mm -hmm. And so it's not necessarily like a gut. Oh, I just I know this. Mm -hmm. You're kind of taking inputs of data around you that aren't quantitative in nature, but are qualitative data points of like what's happening in our world. What what are the macroeconomic trends? What's going on politically? Mm -hmm. What's going on regulatory? What's going on in the way people are buying and saving and spending their money? What brands are working at Sephora? Like I literally call it work going and walking around Sephora and Mm -hmm. watching customers interact with beauty brands. Yeah, that's really okay. So what you're saying kind of reminds me of something my dad told me on on this podcast. We asked, so my dad was a fighter pilot for most of my life. He's a very serious guy. And we had some listener questions kind of cue in and be like, okay, so what, what do you do in times of like pressure basically or how how can I show up to something when it's a really stressful event how do I deal with stressful job one and then like acute stressors in the moment that you cannot prepare for you did not see and he said his his whole answer was 
preparation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it, it feels like it's not necessarily instincts when you're in a situation that you can't control, but I'm the most prepared person there to handle it. Yeah. So then it's it's no longer instincts. It's this qualitative data that I know from flying planes for fucking ever that I'm the most prepared and knowledgeable person there to do it. And so in the moment I can handle it and it seems like it's my instincts, but really it's all the information that I already know that I'm making decisions based off of. A hundred percent. So what you're doing is constantly prepping, constantly, constantly prepping. Constantly. Like I think yeah. if you looked at the, I try to be as organized as possible. I'm honestly not organized, but mm-hmm. if you look at my notes app, like I have literally probably 10,000 notes that it's like, I'll see something and write down one sentence of what I observed. And then I'll go back like every Saturday or Sunday morning and go through my notes from that week and be like, oh yeah, that's what I saw here. And like, okay, yeah, I'm seeing this a lot more and more. Yeah. And so I think that's what's been super interesting even being on TikTok more too is like, being able to see how and it, it, it makes things harder, actually, this whole idea of trends moving so quickly because, you know, trends do move so quickly yeah. now and everybody has a mini microphone and brands like are almost at times like scared to misstep because everybody mm-hmm. can amplify that and it can be taken out of context. But it is great for me. I think this is where one of my edges is, is like being an investor on TikTok, so actively involved in the community, I feel like I have a really differentiated perspective Mm -hmm. on the consumer and like what the brands should be doing to reach the consumer than a lot of other consumer investors that look at TikTok as like still a dancing app. Yeah. It's like truly TikTok can move culture. Mm -hmm. And I think it does every single day. It's it's a part of my daily culture, like more than Instagram at this point. Absolutely. I'm constantly on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. I love how it's like for everybody, Mm -hmm. like you'll find your people. And Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing is like, I'm a very multi-hyphenate, like creative. Like I don't just want to talk about investing. I want to mm-hmm. also talk about beauty and also talk about my workouts and also talk yeah. about, you know, my relationship. Well, that's like the genius of it too, is is combining all of those things. Exactly. The, the you way know? that your podcast is. Mm-hmm. I mean, any podcast really. And like, I love people that are like, obsessive about like for example we're talking about people that you stay at a job your entire life you're, you get really 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 good at one thing mm-hmm. I'm not that kind of person either because I just get bored mm-hmm. but I do think that people I look up to in my life not respect because I respect a lot of different jobs and whatever yeah. but the people I look up to want to be like they've merged like something more technical with something that they love yeah so for example finance and VC stuff and beauty or whatever. Exactly. Like you just, it's very multifaceted kind of. Exactly. I really like that. So let's say we're talking about, let's go back to the dough example. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like to invest in a company like this? Like, do you go, did you know the founder and you just say like text her like, Hey, I want to yeah. like invest in your company or how does that, how does that work? Yeah. So it's actually a little bit different now every time because I do two things. I angel invest, which is me writing a personal track. And then Mm -hmm. I also raise syndicates now. So I think we missed this in my background, but it's important Mm -hmm. to touch on because after I was working on the entertainment, like celebrity management side, I actually went and launched a record labels, corporate venture capital arm. So we actually invested off the balance sheet into startups. Mm -hmm. And then I would do these equity matching transactions with our record label artists and with the startups. Okay. So I'm actually like very trained, I guess you could say in investing. And so what I started noticing when I was doing angel investments, let's say I'm writing a $5,000 check into a company. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. investing a hundred thousand dollars into a company yet. Yeah. I was doing so much work. Like it's called diligence. When you find a company that you want to work at, you do diligence it. So basically what that means is you 
ensure that what the company is telling you in their deck, in your calls with them, in their data room, that it's actually accurate. And you're going and sourcing people that work in the industry or that are industry experts to speak to and understand, okay, what should I be asking? What should I be looking for? Mm -hmm. Where are the holes here? And I was spending so much time diligencing these deals for like a five or $10,000 check. Yeah. And I was like, this just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So I started doing what we call a syndicate, which is a special purpose vehicle. I basically find the company. I diligence it. I do all of that work. And then not only do I put in my own money, but I also raise money from other very strategic, a lot of content creators, a lot of high net worth individuals, a lot of founders that want to be involved Like, think about like art. If you're Mm going to go and buy art from a gallery, you're probably going to work with an art advisor who's going to tell you like, this is where, you know, your investment will be worth in five or 10 years, Mm -hmm. or this is a really great buy because these collectors all have it. Mm -hmm. You're not going in buying art and being like, I know this is the best investment. Yeah. After a while, you get comfortable, you learn, you immerse yourself in the system. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do for really, I would call them like interested, aspiring angel investors that are accredited. So like myself. Exactly. Like I would say, okay, Mm -hmm. I have this deal. I think you'd be a great fit for it. Here are my 18 pages of diligence notes. I have Mm -hmm. an MBA intern that works for me now. And we basically diligence deals for like two weeks, like look through everything. Mm -hmm. And then you as the angel investor can make a decision seeing the deal being like okay do I believe in this do I love this is it am I passionate about this Mm -hmm. and then you have somebody that's kind of helping you through that process okay so I do both of those now I never raise a syndicate without investing myself Mm -hmm. but I also just was like this is not worth the juice like yeah when I'm putting in so much of the squeeze yes and what I love about this too is we'll talk about you know kind of the space for women because I feel like I always hear about men working in this space. And I don't really love, besides Josh, my producer, obviously, (laughs) working with men because sometimes it's just the way they work is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I've worked a a couple deals when it comes to like influencer stuff or consulting with men or a group of men. Yeah. And it's just the way that they talk and work. It's just not the way that I do it. No. Not to say it's wrong, but it's just not the way that I do it. So it's interesting for me as someone who wants to do some, you know, get involved in angel investing that I'd have someone like you to speak to about it because we speak the same language. Exactly. And I think that's what, you know, it's funny because I've just seen so much. And like, I remember a year and a half ago, I was on the phone. I was speaking with a female founder and she's building a company very geared towards a female audience and men wouldn't use it. It's actually not geared towards men at all. And I think that was her 50th investor call. And about 30 minutes in, she just starts bawling. Mm -hmm. And she's like, to be honest, Maggie, I'm having a really hard time keeping this together because I have like just never spoken to somebody who gets it. They don't understand the pain point. Every time I leave the phone call, they tell me they're going to check in with their wife or check in with their daughters. Mm -hmm. I never hear back from them. And when I do follow up and hear from them, they say that they just don't understand the marketplace. Yeah. And so one of the things I've been very passionate about on my TikTok is saying things like, well, we can't expect more than 2% of female founders to get funded when the system is broken because only mm-hmm. a certain percentage of females are actually investing. I don't want to misstep on the percentage, but it's anywhere yeah. from 2 to 7% of people out of venture capital fund making investment decisions are women. Okay. So like the whole system needs to be changed for more female businesses to get funded. Yeah, absolutely. And how can we expect female founders to get funded when the people making decisions don't understand the industry? At all. At all. Well, they don't understand whatever product is trying to be pushed. And all of us, like, let's say it's products that we want. 
desperately, which is why when you look at this, like, you know, let's say women's health, for example, there are probably so many amazing ideas that could have really helped us in that realm. But people didn't men didn't understand birth control. They don't understand periods. They don't understand these things. And we don't have anyone in the places to make those decisions that we would need in order to advance us forward in terms of technology. Exactly. Like, which is the problem. That's the problem. But also I did. I was talking to a friend about this the other day. I was like, I think people forget that like we were just allowed to have credit cards like in the 70s. I know. Like this is the time when we study history. This time that we live in right now is going to be when women started being able to be in the workforce and start actually being reaching levels of equality were obviously not still still not equal, but reaching those levels. And I feel like people think it's done. Like, OK, women oh. are working. We're good. I'm like, I studied sociology in college, too, because it was just so interesting yeah. to me. And I'm like, these patterns, they last for a really fucking long time. Like the fallout of this is going to be happening for I mean, women aren't going to be the same, quote, the same as men when it comes financially, in my opinion, for a long time. Th- that wasn't that long ago that we were able to have credit, which is such a big part of being a person on the earth and half of us couldn't have it or in, in, in the U.S., you know. Honestly, it was funny because this morning I, part of diligence, I went to mm-hmm. a tour, a facility of a potential investment I'm looking at. And it was an amazing experience. I love the CEO. And we were talking after and I said, so how many women are on your board or on your executive team? Mm-hmm. And actually their head of sales and marketing is actually a woman. But okay. he looked at me and he was like, we don't actually have any women on our board. And I said, I definitely don't want women to just get the role because there's no women in the room. Yeah. And I said exactly what you just said. It's a systematic problem that's mm-hmm. going to take years to course correct. Mm-hmm. So as much as we look around and we see, oh, there's a woman executive there and there's like, you know, a female founder there. It's still such a minority and it is going to take years. Like there's still so much work to do. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I've gotten a little bit of hate on my TikTok where I will post very pro women. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of men take that as like, I'm anti men yeah. and I'm not anti men. Yeah. I just am pro women and mm-hmm. I will continue to be pro women yes. until it is equal because it's not. And I've just had, that's not the only female founder that's broken down on the phone to me. Like mm-hmm. it is often and it's actually far and few between that a female founder has composure and is like yeah oh I speak to female investors all the time yeah I mean I can't even imagine that I mean my job thankfully I do work with a lot of women that are so fucking smart and so good at what they do but I think it's because it's the nature of my job and I have you know my management everyone is a woman but I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens but it, it always bothers me when people are like you know well well women can work now and women can do this I'm like you think it just you just switch on a dime I, I can't. It bothers me so much. But the thing is, it, it takes work on our part, too. So it's going to take these conversations happening. It's going to take self-education and things like that and actually seeing ourselves in those rooms to actually make those steps towards progress, as well as being let in 100%. to the room by someone else who's already in the room. And we have like, like not here to like, you know, keep going at this. But yeah. it's like we do have to work 10 times harder. I even think back to like when I was first convincing a founder to like even let me invest when I like mm-hmm. didn't have as much experience. And it was like very challenging because I didn't have the credentials that I have now. Like honestly, mm-hmm. now it it's a little bit easier for me to get into deals. But back then it was like convincing people of why I was right because I didn't have all of those tools in my toolkit of like Mm -hmm. being at the right school, being in the venture fund. There were no women jobs at venture funds back in the day. Yeah. And so I think that's where we're seeing a lot more females want to be interested in this 
for the monetary value that it could bring one day, but also for like the mission of being an angel investor Mm -hmm. and what it can do to feel like, okay, even if I'm only putting in five or $10,000, I'm like helping a female founder like live out her dream. And that is like so priceless. You really can't put a dollar figure on that. Mm -hmm. So what is something you would tell, like what are some tips you would give people, let's say women in their mid twenties right now who do see this kind of lifestyle for themselves? They want to be angel investors. What would you do right now if you were 25 years old? Maybe you don't have enough money to invest yet, but you want to go in that direction. Few things I would do is one, just like immerse yourself in the startup ecosystem. So mm-hmm. obviously, I would tell people if you can, working at a startup is the best thing because you'll you'll earn the e- the ecosystem without even really trying. You'll just okay. be a part of it. But it, some people want the nine to five. They need like the consistent paycheck. Mm-hmm. So I would just say for those people is like asking these questions, putting yourself in these rooms, signing up for online events, reading books, mm-hmm. listening to podcasts like this. I think that also there are a lot more, I, I wouldn't recommend like a like a, a program right now. There's something called like On Deck Angels. There's like mm-hmm. different groups, but there are a lot of communities that are starting to form online. And so okay. I think like starting to really get aware, that's the first thing is just have awareness. Research. Research. For sure, yeah. And then start <laughs> saving money like and put it away because you actually can't start angel investing unless it's through crowdfunding, unless mm-hmm. you're an accredited investor. Okay. But you can start saving money money. Mm-hmm. And so once you do have that paycheck, that kind of check mark from the SEC to yeah. actually start investing, you have the money saved away mm-hmm. that you didn't spend on a bag or yeah. on diamonds or on mm-hmm. a trip. So that's another thing that I would do. See, I'm into diversifying. So like I'll buy the bag, but we'll do one. Yeah. And then we'll buy, I had bought my watch, which was like my, since I was literally 14 or I wanted this specific watch since I was 14. But in every photo of me as a child, like since I was three years old, I'm wearing a watch, whether it's a pink Barbie watch or whatever. Like, I just love them. But I'm not one to go buy 20 watches. Like, I don't need to upgrade. I'm like, got the watch. We're done. Well, by the way, it's a Diversi- great investment. It, it is a great investment. It's actually I, up. Like, I think it's either 18 or 16 percent yeah. since last year. Amazing. And I got this one, the used one. It's kind of when the used ones were more expensive. So I got on a wait list for a new one. So I got a brand new one for cheaper than they were selling the used. So it was like, it seems that's diversifying. Okay. hundred percent. My Chanel bag did go up in price, but now I don't need another Chanel bag. And now I want something else to do with my money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm asking all these questions. Yeah. I'm really interested. No, I honestly think that's a great. And then the other thing that I was going to say is being an advisor. So mm-hmm. like I do these celebrity deals for big celebrities to take equity in exchange for a certain percentage, like whatever skill set you have, everybody has a skill set, especially if you're in your late 20s, you've been working for like seven years, figure out what makes you different, where your relationships are to be an advisor of a company, you basically need like a network, you need expertise, you need experience, you need Mm -hmm. knowledge, and you have to be able to help that company grow with services. So even if you're not a creator, and you don't have like that distribution or that social presence, let's say you're a recruiter and you work in the startup world and you're like, you know what? There's a startup that I'm really passionate about. It's early stage. Mm -hmm. I actually want to be able to offer to help them with their hiring strategy or bringing and interviewing their first like 10 hires. Yeah. You can then barter and really like offer your services as an exchange for equity versus Mm -hmm. a cash consultancy payment and start Mm -hmm. to get into the world of startups through your services. Yeah. And that, you know, I actually started doing that five years ago. 
I mean, the first few things that I was an advisor for, like, I don't mm-hmm. think are going to be like, make me a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. But the experience that I got to understand where I wanted to go was so invaluable that mm-hmm. I would highly suggest thinking through if there's a way you can exchange your services for a piece of equity of a startup. Yeah. Okay. So when you're going to reach out, let's say you want to pitch your services yeah. to a company. Are you cold emailing? Are you just being like, hey, what's up? Or are you using your network again, going through people you know? I am a shameless cold caller, cold okay. emailer at Salesforce. I've had to make a hundred cold calls a day and I was hung up on all the time. And yeah. so like, I, I I will reach out to anybody. Yeah, I will even email Mark Cuban if I have to. Mm-hmm. So that's what sales, that's when you, when you talk about everyone should have to learn that skill. Yes. That's what you learned. There. Yes. Okay. Like I learned how to get somebody's attention, even if like they didn't want to pay attention to me. Yeah. So I'm a shameless cold caller to this day, not okay. caller anymore, but more emailer. However, that's why it is so important to immerse yourself in the startup ecosystem, because at a certain point, it's like it is a thousand times better to get a warm intro from somebody yeah. than it is to like reach out cold. So when you're in the startup ecosystem, even if it's like a founder friend of theirs or a friend from childhood, yeah. like that's the best way to get in front of somebody. But you still have to be really strategic with your reach out. Nothing bothers me more. I get like 10 emails a day of people asking to just have a chat with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I literally will work for free if I'm taking 10 calls a day just to like have a coffee chat. As much Mm -hmm. as I would love to do that, I like physically don't have the time. Yeah. And so where I would suggest people really go with that is like, what can you offer a value that's also going to be helpful for the person you're asking to take time away from them for? Okay. So like knowing, like if you were in the market for a watch and I wanted mm-hmm. to cold call email you, yeah, I would be like, Hey, I found these five watches at the real, real. This is the one that I think would look amazing with your eye color. And like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, I love your sweater that you were wearing in this. This is the watch that I would have, by the way, I'm also in the market for a watch. Like, do you mind if, I took five minutes so we could talk about watches together. Yeah, yeah. That is such a better way to approach somebody. Okay. So there has to be some kind of finesse there. But you learn it over time. Yes. Obviously. Yes. I used to reach out to brands all the time for just like stuff when I first started. Again, like you're just like, please, can you send me a bracelet? And I promise I will post so many pictures of it. Like you're just like begging. Yeah. And I feel like that's what we did when I was first starting we it was kind of like a numbers game again we just cold emailed I mean I made so many mistakes doing that but you learn to kind of like use your own voice and be real because especially when you're on the other side of it now and brands start for me at least when brands started reaching out to me I remember being like okay this brand like don't really like the vibe of this email it seems like you're using me a little bit so you just learn over time exactly and that's where that personal touch comes in like even when you know, I'm trying to get into an investment deal. And even to this day, if it's a hot deal, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that want to get in on it. So you have to sell yourself like what's going to make you different. Mm -hmm. And if you can't find something to like build rapport with the founder right away, or like what you're going to be able to offer, then you offer something of value to them that really doesn't have anything to do with you. Like, hey, I just thought this would be helpful for you. And like, let me know if it is. I'd love to take five minutes of your time. Yeah. You're going to get an answer probably nine times out of 10. Whereas if you just copy and paste an email, you're not going to get in. Yeah, I feel that. So what is coming up? Like, let's say, what do you think you're seeing the trends you're seeing in the space that you're really excited about? 
I think there's a few categories that I'm really interested in. We've mentioned women's health. So I struggled randomly from hormonal acne. I got Mm -hmm. it at like 26, had perfect skin growing up. Mm -hmm. I recently have seen a lot of hormonal testing come up with at-home testing, which I think is really cool. Really exciting, yeah. Before when I was 25 and I was going through this, it was five years ago, I had to go to a like a practitioner that was going to cost me like three thousand dollars to get my mm-hmm. hormones tested, and I was like, I can't afford that. It was like a naturopath. Yeah, yeah, I did that too. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now that's huge, mm-hmm. and I think it can extend. The best investments are multi generational, so they mm-hmm. don't just touch like a very specific target community. Although that's usually where it starts, but they have the ability to really translate to a multi generational audience. Mm-hmm. Because the bigger the market, the bigger the company can be. And that's the biggest type of investment. Yeah. And so I think what's really interesting about hormonal health is it doesn't just touch like the hormonal acne and like the growing up with like you're figuring out who you are in your hormones Mm -hmm. phase. It's fertility. It's menopause. It's all of the things that people are going through. Your hormones change on a daily basis. So think about how much they change over your life. I'm really, I mean, really, really confident yeah. about this. <laughs> yeah, me too. That is huge right okay. now. I'm really interested to see how that, I mean, obviously from your standpoint, from like working in these companies too and trying to invest, but also just like, you know, the day-to-day being able to use these products. Exactly. Like, I'm really excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I think another really big thing is just the democratization of very traditionally like stigmatized industries. So mm-hmm. one of the best investments that I've made is a company called Sidecar, which is a frictionless deal execution platform. It is essentially the back end infrastructure for what we've talked about today yeah. for angel investing mm-hmm. to like make it easier for founders to take money from angel investors, mm-hmm. strategic people to make it easier for angels to get in on investments. Okay. So I think democratization, we've seen it with art, with masterworks. I'm seeing a lot more deals to democratize other assets like a group of people being able to go in on a Rolex because it's up so much yeah. or art or jewelry or That's whatever so it ends cool. up being. Yeah. So sidecar. sidecar. Can anyone like just log on to sidecar and like use the. You you do have to be like an accredited investor. Okay. What is that process like, by the way? So an accredited investor is a definitely an honor system, but it is very serious to, because it's with the SEC. Okay. So all registered securities have to go through the SEC. Mm -hmm. And so what's actually the difference between privately held companies and publicly traded companies is that Mm -hmm. their publicly traded companies are registered by the SEC. It's on the publicly traded stock market. Privately traded or private market companies don't actually have to disclose their books in the way that like a publicly traded company does. Yeah. So they mandate that because it's an unregistered security and because like they're not actually going through and making sure that things are like to the T of what's going on. Yeah. That you have to be able to mitigate the risk of being able to lose all your money. So mm-hmm. an accredited investor, there's a few different qualifying points to it, but you can either be earning over $200,000 a year for a consistent basis. I believe for the last two or three years, okay. you have to have a net worth of over a million dollars or I think like 2 million with a spouse. There's very specific criteria okay. that go into an accredited investor. Mm-hmm. And that's why the SEC has approved regulation crowdfunding, where if you're not an accredited investor, if the securities is, are registered on a crowdfunding platform, anybody can go and invest a certain percentage of okay. their money. I think it's like up to $10,000 a year Yeah, into a, priv- a privately held company. Okay. Interesting. What's yeah. like a crowdfunding example? Yeah. 
So actually Noah Schnapp's company, TBH, Mm -hmm. just did a really incredibly successful crowdfunding campaign. Okay, I think they raised like a million dollars from unaccredited investors Mm -hmm. as little as I think a hundred or five hundred dollars up to like fifty thousand dollars you could invest. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So what do they use for that? Is there a certain platform they're using? Yeah. Is it like there's a few the most popular like Start Engine, WeFunder, Start Engine, WeFunder. I think those are like the main ones. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to give everyone like as specific of details yeah. as possible because I know this will be definitely a jumping off point for some people. I've never really had anyone on to talk about anything related to finance at all, <laughs> just because I don't want to like my friends who do work in finance are like, I can't give financial advice and exactly. like, you know, the whole thing. So like we're always trying to figure out how to skirt around topics like while also giving good information. Totally. So this is like the perfect topic for this. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of your job coming up here, like, are you working on anything exciting? Like, what's going on? So I think I, when I left corporate venture capital, I kind of didn't really know what I was going to do. So, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really like big on embracing failure. You could say the investments I made were actually incredible. So I still manage them today. They're all still in business. They all have like increased markups and valuations. Mm-hmm. But my idea launching that was actually to do this model of touchdown ventures where I white labeled corporate VC for Mm -hmm. big entertainment companies, multiple of them. Okay. I did not love corporate venture capital. Mm -hmm. It's a different story for a different time. And so when I left doing that as like my full time thing, I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I know I don't want to get too far away from investing. Mm -hmm. So I was like kind of testing the waters with all of these things like, okay, I'm going to help brands with their celebrity partnerships. I'm going to angel invest. I'm going to do consulting for B2C enablement companies. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help creators launch their brands. You're experimenting basically. Well, that was last year. And then this year, it's like so clear what I feel like my mission is. And it's Mm -hmm. really to like empower first time founders. So like with real fundraising help. Mm -hmm. So my sister, who's actually a trained CPA, she is the VP of finance at Missouri. Mm -hmm. Her and I are putting together a course for first time founders all about fundraising. So like, so awesome. how do you do it? How do you reach people? What do your financial statements need to look like? What is evaluation? What mm-hmm. is a preferred stock versus common stock? How should you be like setting your value? Everything. Literally, okay. it's taken us months to put this together. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And then it's really around helping angel investors like you mm-hmm. write their first like one to five checks. Like, okay. let me like really help creators and high net worth individuals and founders and executives and people that are accredited, Mm -hmm. but don't actually know what to do or don't have the time. It's a huge time commitment. That's the problem. Yeah. Even if you know what to do, it's like, you're not seeing a hundred startups a week on Mm -hmm. a deck, right? Like, but you trust somebody to do that for you. Yes. Well, that's what I'm doing right now with my investments. Instead of like logging onto TD Ameritrade and like doing them myself and monitoring everything. I was just like, my financial guy, you take this, give me a little synopsis of what's going on because I could do it. Like I understand enough on the back end to like, there's like formulas for everything. It's kind of pretty easy to follow, but I don't want to do it because I don't have the fucking time. No. You know what I mean? No. And nor should you, because it is such a time commitment and you Mm -hmm. see so much. And honestly, a lot of it is like, you're not ready for an investment yet, but I think I love your company. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's around helping early stage founders, helping angel investors or aspiring angel investors by Mm -hmm. bringing them into this unofficial syndicate. And that's really like what I'm excited about right now. Mm -hmm. I love early stage startups and I just want to play a bigger role in helping democratize it for females. 
That is freaking amazing. I have a friend right now. She's she works in art and she lives in New York. And she's that's what you're saying kind of aligns with what she's wanting to see more of in the art community. And yeah. we talk about it literally all the time because I went to her recently and was like, hey, I'd like to invest in some art soon. Like, give me some ideas. She's like, what's your budget? I'm like, I honestly don't know. <laughs> she's like, I, I need all the information. Yeah. So it's people like you. It's people like her who I'm trying to make her. Her name's Kimberly. She's been on this podcast before, but I'm trying to make her be more involved on social media, kind of do what you're doing, but for the art, art world, which I, so I love that you mentioned art. That was awesome. You should tell her about a startup. I just met and they're amazing. It's called mm-hmm. Cohart. Cohart. C-O-H-A-R-T. Okay. They are basically trying to democratize uh, okay. fractional art ownership or just That's art awesome. ownership yeah. online. And it's this amazing consumer tech startup. It's mm-hmm. very cool out of New York. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. She's already there. That'd be mm-hmm. great. Okay. So tell everyone where they can find you because you are a wealth of knowledge. On You have so many TikToks about this. So if y'all are interested, you can go scroll through her feed. Mm-hmm. So tell everyone where you can find you on the internet. So my TikTok is Maggie Sellers underscore. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, somebody took Maggie <laughs> Sellers. And then Instagram is Maggie Sellers. So, yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm sure there will be plenty of follow-up questions. So I'll have to have you back on. Oh my God, I would love sure. that. Thank you for having me. Of course. I had so much fun. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. You can catch a new episode of Note to Self every Thursday. Please, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. I always want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review if you have a sec. Follow Note to Self on social for all the behind the scenes action and more info about the show at NTS by PS on Instagram and at Note to Self Pod on TikTok. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.